Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're going to be jumping back into a series that we started not too long ago called Moments. And we're going to be talking about historical moments, not just in sports, but things that kind of grew to be larger than sports eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're starting with the bare minimum of what are the moments that jump out to us over the past hundred years and even more that we look back and say, this was a moment we need to talk about, not just because of the game, but because what it means outside of the actual arena and outside of the lines of the court. Exactly. Um, Today, we're doing one of my favorite. We got to talk a little bit uh, about one of yours, so we're just going to take turns, kind of suggesting some mm-hmm. moments back and forth. Sure. Um, starting with the miracle on ice, which was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for leading us through that. Sure. And today, I get the pleasure of talking about the game. I've probably seen more of than any other game. I've watched this wow. game more times than any other basketball game. Uh, it does get old, but at the same time, it still amazes me once in a while mm-hmm. because we're going to be talking about the 1986 NBA Eastern Conference. It's the first round. It's okay. rare that we get to say that. Right. The Bulls versus the Celtics. Okay. I'm really excited to talk about this, but I do want to ask, did you get a chance to see this game? I probably did. My yeah. dad was a huge Celtics fan. Really? And when we were talking playoffs, he would not miss a game. So I, <laughs> I don't remember it, but I, I'm sure I was sitting there in the living room with him watching this game because we both loved watching the Celtics. Yeah. But let me just kind of ask you a few kind of framing questions of here to this whole thing. So. This was 1986, and 1980, the 1986 Celtics are are they widely, widely considered one of the best NBA rosters ever, right? If not one, number two. And this was really when Michael Jordan was starting to make a move to be how great he is now. Yes. Because, I mean, he was, I don't know if he was a rookie this year, but he was, no. he was young. This was coming into, if I remember right, it's his third year. Okay. Because he get or no, it's his second year, because he gets drafted in 1984. Okay. His rookie year goes amazing, and it's the Air Jordan year, right? right. He's just a high-flying, crazy scorer, but he's athletic. Right. And this is one of the first years, not completely, we're seeing about 10 to 20% of Jordan where the mind's starting to meld with the body. Okay. Now, the ultimate version of this is 1998, where his body is actually, if you watch those games, his body isn't doing what he necessarily wants it mm-hmm. to do, but his mind is so complete in how to play the game He's just toying with these moments of, I'm going to just rest here, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to pass over here. He's just got the dance mastered. Nice. And this is as he's starting to learn the NBA dance, and he shows that he can be not just good at it, but he can be the best ever, and he does it against maybe the greatest team of all time. So this was a first-round series, best of three. Best of three, yeah. Uh, Best of or best of five, best excuse of five. me. Yeah, so they win three in a row. Three Spoiler row. alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, it was it was the first round, and the Celtics were this. I mean, they were the team to beat clearly. Yeah. Um, so why don't you just kind of lead us through this game too, right? This yeah. this is the second game of the series, and what happened? So the best way to start is actually by going a little bit backwards and a little bit forwards to set how this began and how it ends. Okay. And the story is Jordan broke his foot this year. And he has been held off the court for long stretches of time with a broken foot or broken leg somewhere in there. Forgive me for the minor details, but ultimately he's off the court and he goes back down to North Carolina and he starts training in the North Carolina facilities Mm -hmm. without telling the general manager, Jerry Krause, who had said to him, stay off your foot, stay off your foot. (laughs) I'm going to be playing. Yeah. 
And so as he's practicing, he's getting back up, back up. So he comes back for the last little bit of the season, and he's on a minutes restriction. Uh, I believe it's 14 minutes a game. And so he'll get pulled okay. at 14 minutes. Wow. He's done. Which isn't a lot of time. No. I mean. And so his coach, Stan Albrecht, would play him the most important 14 minutes a game, and that wasn't flying either. So there's a lot of heated arguments. Okay. And I will say, because you love this man, this is kind of how Charles Oakley becomes Charles Oakley, right. who is on this team as well. Right. Uh, a basketball player that will go down in infamy for many reasons, but he's not just Jordan's probably closest friend on the team, but he's also becoming Jordan's protector. And we're realizing that the Bulls can build around a guard, which no one's thought of doing ever. Up to right? that point, up you until build that around point. a center, right? Exactly. Or a forward, maybe. Yeah, Sam Bowie goes before Michael. Yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon goes before Michael. Yeah. You build around the center. You don't go and get a guard to build a championship around. Okay. And now we're starting to see this happen, where it's like, wait, this this yeah. could this could be something. Is that credit to Jerry Krause? Do you think? Or you know. From everything I've heard, I, I do think he gets some credit. I don't think he actually selected Jordan. Um, oh. I think there was other folks in the room that can also take a little bit of credit on that one. Really? Okay. But the idea was the Bulls were a sorry franchise. They had no excitement whatsoever. So in order to make sure that they could continue to bring people in, they had to get the best player available. And Michael clearly was the exciting player. He had just hit... The shot to win the NCAA title right. not long before. And so they were bringing in Michael, this high-flying, young, you know, very handsome, well-spoken man who would be the perfect kind of model to build a franchise around. Even if it wasn't a championship model, you had entertainment in Chicago. Right. And so there's a lot of stories there. But ultimately, Michael was just supposed to be this kind of, we need something. Yeah. <laughs> we need anything at yeah. all. And here's this guy that wants to play. And he plays in a spectacular fashion. And he became and he becomes Air Jordan sh- shortly after that. Right. So it, I definitely think you know when we're looking back at this moment in particular, although this might not be the Michael Jordan moment, I think this is a moment, in my opinion, where we see the greatest player of all time, perhaps having his most legendary game of all time, his first greatest game ever. Okay. Yeah. With quote but... many many <laughs> yeah. to come. Right. But when this happened, it shocked the NBA universe. And then he's doing it against possibly the greatest team of all time, too. So walk me through that game, too, because I can tell you that I know it went to overtime. Yeah. Um, so just yeah, walk us through what what was that game like? Now, Boston had won game one. So yes. this is now game two. Kind of a must win for Chicago, yeah. clearly. And what happened in this game? So just so you know, the Boston Celtics will go on to win the NBA title. In 86. In yeah. 86. Yeah. And they'll do it in dominating fashion. Mikhail, Bird, Parrish, yeah. Ainge, and DJ. Yeah. yeah, Dennis Johnson. They had Weedman coming off the bench. They had a Hall of Famer in... Um, Bill Russell. Bill, Bill Walton coming Bill off... Walton. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Bill Walton coming off the bench, who's yep. a Hall of Fame center. They had a deep team. An unbelievable team, maybe the greatest passing team of all time. I know there's some dream or there's some Showtime Lakers versus this team, but mm-hmm. they are two halves of the same brain. Okay. These teams in my mind are almost equal. Okay. But the Celtics win the first game, one twenty three to one oh four. I've seen this game, they handle them. And their plan basically is let Michael score. No one else is gonna do anything. Right. Michael gets up to forty nine points. Wow. And I remember the announcers are just going like, wow, can you believe this? He's coming off a broken foot. Yeah. He looks great. He's athletic. He's springy. 
and no one has an answer for him. He's just too quick, too fast. And at the end of the game, I don't remember the exact words because, again, I've watched the second game more than the first. Mm -hmm. But the idea is thrown out there that surely Michael can't do any better than 49 points. Right. And that's what sets this scene up. So we come in. We're in the Boston Garden. Right. Tough place to play, I'm sure. (laughs) The Celtics are, I believe, 40-1 and at home. Wow. They're the most dominant home team in the NBA. Kevin McHale is killing the Celtics. Larry doesn't start out well either in this game, okay. and he gets better. And Parrish just is having his way on the boards. Like, he's just kind of the cherry on top. Who's the answer to Parrish on the Bulls? Anyone? <laughs> really, no one. And how about uh, McHale? No so, one? No one. Okay. They, they don't have any They didn't have a slow. big guy inside. Yeah, they have okay. Orlando Woolrich, who's a talented scorer and can take some pressure off of Michael. But ultimately, he scores 24 points in this game. Okay. You know, he gets he, he does well on the boards, but he gets two assists, a steal. I believe that's nine rebounds over there as well. He does fine. And in one game he does do much better and he, he's a scoring presence. Okay. But ultimately <laughs> they're running up Dave Cousine as the main guy down low mm. and he really gets outclassed quick. And yeah. you can tell early that he's just no match for the power forward and the center combo. The Bulls really have no chance. Well, and the Bulls probably realized the only way we're going to win this is if we, if our guards win this. In exactly. Words, if Michael wins this for us. Right? Yeah. Okay. And frankly, they didn't really care if yeah. Michael was. Yeah. They didn't. No, they knew they were out. I should say Charles Oakley was another problem for Mikhail, but Mikhail was too technical. Yeah. You know, Charles, you know, he's a great defender. He can do all that. But when you're talking about Mikhail, maybe the best footwork of any power mm-hmm. forward, I think it's him. And I would consider. Talking about um, Elijah Wan a little bit higher than him, just even though right. he's a center. It's just ridiculous what he could do in the post. But yeah, the Celtics were heavy favorites. There was no coming out of this for the Bulls. They were going to lose. And in game two, Michael just simply says, you know, in an interview too, mind you say this, you know, the interviewer goes, do you do, how do you feel you're going to do? Do you think you can beat the Boston Celtics? And he simply says, well, I don't think one man can beat the Boston Celtics. And I wish we could fade to black right there. And oh. just start the game immediately because he almost does. He almost does. And this is, again, another reason why I love this moment so much is because as the game begins, Larry kind of starts slow. And the post play is really good. Mikhail's dominant. The game is going. But DJ cannot stay in front of uh, uh, in front of Michael. Okay. DJ is an MVP of the finals with the Sonics. He's a great defender. Everyone would love to have DJ on their team because right. he is a good point guard scoring Defensive guard, he is struggling to stay with Jordan, and I actually believe he fouls out. And then Ainge has no chance. They try to switch Bird onto him, no chance. No matter who they throw at Michael, Michael is having his way. And eventually he continues to rack up point after point after point after point. He gets to the free throw line. I want you to guess how many times. Uh, Michael, I would say 15. <laughs> 21. Wow. And he gets 19 free Whoa. throws out of it. So he makes 19 of 21. Wow. He shoots 90.5% from the free throw line. Can you imagine a world where he gets like 68? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but he is scooping, scoring, diving wow. to the basket, fearless. The Michael that we would come to know. Yeah. And no man has an answer for Michael Jordan. 
we start this game with the idea that no one man can beat the Boston Celtics. Right. And no one man can solve the problem that is Michael Jordan as the game unwinds. And eventually we make it to the very end of the game. And he is forcing shot after shot. And he kind of is, you can tell they're leaning on him in a way Mm -hmm. that's getting uncomfortable. And thus, Orlando Woolrich does have a good couple moments here. But Michael eventually tallies up 60, uh, 63 points in total over 53 minutes of play. And can you believe it? Orlando Woolrich beats him by one minute as the most played player in this game. So I just think that's incredible. He shoots 50% from the field, 53.7% from the field. Wow. It's ridiculous. Wow. And he does it without even even attempting a three. I, I didn't even and recognize that's amazing. that. That's yeah. amazing. So let me ask you this. So what would have been Boston's best chance to shut down? What is their strategy to shut down Michael if they said, you know what, no matter what we do, priority number one, stop Michael Jordan? What would, yeah. what would Boston have done? Or how, so, how could they do that? I actually think in the game they had the right idea, which was if Michael drives, we pin him in the lane and we force him to make the pass. Okay. Or if we can't get the help, you let him score and you take away all the other options. Okay. So the problem really was we can't really be in the middle. And they ended up being in the middle because Michael's uh. speed disrupted their rotations and he could find the pass close to the basket, allowing for some of the other guys to get involved with easy shots. Okay. So Michael is just getting wherever the hell he wants. Yeah. And all the other guys, even though they're not playing outstanding, he's getting them some looks, even if he's not directly involved with the play, because there is such a fear that he's going to beat your defensive rotation or your double team. Right. So on top of this, and I, I don't mean to be unfair, but when we're talking about Dennis Johnson, I mean, he's the guy I look at and just go, Man, he had a hard time because he fouls out. He was on Michael. He's on Michael, and he gets so frustrated. You can tell throughout the game because he's changing his speed of how he's walking. When he's with Michael, when he's away from Michael, he looks different. Yeah. And then they get upset. You can tell people are getting upset when McHale gets switched (laughs) onto him because why would the guard switch? Why is McHale on him? No chance. Danny Ainge, it's like a deer in headlights. Oh, my gosh. Every (laughs) single person was ill-equipped to guard. And then Bill Walton is the funniest one by far. He gets so upset. At one point, the camera catches it. And, you know, they're not covering the game with 50 cameras the way they right. do now. Yeah. So when they catch Bill Walton, just so frustrated. <laughs> I swear you catch a swear word coming out of there, especially for 86. Oh, sure you know, you you're do. like, man. Yeah. But there's a story of Bill Walton going back to the bench and just screaming wow. at other guys like, you can't have him switch on to me because we got to pin him or we got to do this or we got to do that. Like this was a game where some of the smartest players in NBA history between Bird, McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, underrated Bill Walton as a savant and the rest, Rick Carlisle's on this team. These guys are brilliant. Yeah. And they're just getting schooled by Michael. They cannot solve (laughs) a single answer. And it's incredible to watch because not only, or can they not solve this? It's game two. They saw him for 48 right. minutes a couple nights ago. Right, right. So, and he did the same thing over there. Wow. And now he's doing it even harder this time. Wow. It's one of the most incredible performances you'll ever see out of a, of a professional basketball player. And in that moment, in many people's eyes, people saw Jordan's going to be the best of all time. Right. So let me ask you this. A couple questions about this. So is this really the first breakthrough game 
that put Michael Jordan, quote, on the map, would you say? You know, I don't think it's the first game that puts him on, like, a breakthrough. I think this truly is the best. This is the moment when nationally people go, oh, that kid in Chicago is something. And he becomes okay. a household name. Okay. Because up until that point, he's he's Mike Mike Jordan. Mike Jordan, right. Coming out of UNC, he yeah. hit that one shot. He's a really great player. And he got drafted. He got drafted kind of high. You sure you want the guard? Yeah. But I think after this game, it's different. And you see his jerseys and you see his shoes. You're war- you're wearing them differently. Okay. And I think the stage is now set that. I remember the shock I had when Steph Curry, my mom knew the name of Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And this is a national, oh, your okay. mom knows who Michael Jordan is If your mom is knows, then he's... Yeah. Then he's something. <laughs> he's got to be something. Right. And this is when Michael arrives in a weird way. He's, he's spectacular. He's doing all these amazing things. But now he's the face. Right. He's the guy. And everyone's looking and he, he beat, you know, he just destroys Bird, even yeah. though Bird scores 36 points. Bird doesn't shoot that well in this game. He, right. he shoots 50%, 51 but he misses a bunch of shots yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. He hits 14 shots on 27 attempts. Yeah. Um, gets to the free throw line seven times, hits six of them. I will say he does shoot well from the three-point line, which you do see a little classic Larry Bird there. Yeah. Um, but this really is a moment where they go, okay, now it's Magic, Bird, and Michael. And that and Michael, I think, is solidified in this moment. Right. Okay. So just to recap, uh, Boston did go on to win this game in overtime. Yeah. And then they won game three to win the series three games to none. Yeah, sweeping it. Um, but let me ask you this. Was And I know we've, we're kind of going off a little bit on a tangent here. No. But, um, we, we One of our favorite things to talk about are the bad boy Pistons, right? <laughs> I love think, it, yeah. Do you think Detroit maybe took something from this game? Because the next few years, that's when you see Detroit come in, right? 89, yeah. 90. And do you think they looked at this game to say, this guy's unstoppable, and we're in the Eastern Conference, what are we going to do? Or do you think this is a little too early? You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily too early because the bad boy Pistons – are a problem for the Celtics in 87 oh, and into were. 88. Okay. They still beat them. You know, the bird steals the ball, you yeah. know, that scene, and then it goes to Henderson. Um, or no, that's the year before, excuse me. But the Celtics are, or the Celtics don't like Detroit, and Detroit doesn't like them. Okay. And the Boston Celtics just continually just beat the hell out of them. Yeah. But they also see this game, if you're from the bad boy side of things, they're in the same conference as the Bulls. Right. And so they're thinking, all right, we got to change some stuff up. And not long after, I believe Chuck Daly's hired. Right. Um, in Detroit. In Detroit. Yeah. And the Jordan rules come to be applied. I believe it's around 87, 88, somewhere in there. Once so Jordan becomes years. formidable. Yeah. And it really isn't until 90 that Jordan beats the Jordan rules by putting on the extra weight. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I think if we're going to go real timeline, it's 87. Because okay. Michael gets beat by in the playoffs, and then in 88, 89, the bad boy Pistons rule, and then in 90, Michael push, pushes them off the top, okay. and that's when they walk off the court. Got it. Got but it. yeah, there's definitely connections here to people were like, oh Lord, he's coming. <laughs> you yeah, know, here yeah. comes Michael. This is, this is not just lightning in a bottle. He scored 49. He did even better the second time, and he continued to dominate after that and you saw it you saw michael as he truly was so let me ask you this because with this clearly obviously is one of our big moments right yeah 
and we talked about Michael Jordan, but would you say that the NBA at that t- at that time clearly it was Magic, Larry, Mikhail. I mean, those were the stars, right? Yeah. Now you got Michael coming in, and is it? I mean, clearly, I mean, hindsight says yes, it was a great thing for basketball. But was the NBA ready for another star, or were they milking Bird Magic? Yeah, as long as they could. Well, or how does that work out? You know, the thing that's funny to me. And forgive me for stepping kind of away from the question, but I think you're pointing at something that's really interesting is Magic and Bird save the league. There's no question about that. And when did they save the league? So Early when they 80s? get when they get drafted between I believe it's eighty seventy eight and seventy nine. Okay. And they come in in the eighties and they're awesome. Right, right. And they, they really put the NBA back. Yeah. And yeah. The NBA says, all right, we're going to play these guys against each other because one's a white kid from French Lake, Indiana that doesn't like to talk in a blue-collar town. You know, he's got blood on his jersey. Yeah. He's sliding across the floor. And the other one's a handsome, smooth-talking, Likes passing. the cameras. And- yeah, living in L.A. named Magic. Yeah. Perfect casting. Right. You couldn't have picked it better. Sure. And they're the same kind of player, same brain, different bodies. Yeah. They play those two against each other, and they always air Boston Celtics games on the same nights as Laker games, back-to-back. Oh, do they? Yeah. Um, And that pulls the league back after this horrible cocaine era. People also thought the league was too black. That was a dark period as well for a while with the NBA and kind of how it related to his fans. They were on tape delay. A lot of NBA games you never watch live or you never saw at all. And so by the time that we get to Michael – People are kind of magic or bird guys. Right. You know, I'm either with the Celtics or I'm I'm over here with the Lakers. Right. And one of my favorite stories of this is Isaiah Thomas Detroit. grew up a Celtics fan. He did. Because they were the first team to integrate. Ah, and then okay. when Bird versus Magic happened, he changed allegiances because the Lakers were known, known as the black team. And so there's wow. this very sensitive culture piece beyond this, right? Hmm. That... Black men growing up in Boston were not Celtics fans. They were Laker fans. Really? Wow. And so, yes, and we can go into that a little bit later, but it's a it's such a, a hard conversation because it is, you know, so sensitive and it's so very, pressing. Yes. Um it, it was a real moment in culture that the two biggest stars that are saving our league almost always seem to get boiled down to race. And it ends up being capped off with Dennis Rodman and then Isaiah Thomas saying the same thing to repeat Robin of if Larry was black, he'd be another good player. And mm. this is a thing that just wow. lights the world on fire. So what I'm really trying to say, and I don't mean to bring up something very difficult to jump away from it and not say that it's not important. It is. But what this game means, I would say too, is for the first time in NBA history, we truly can point at a star and go, Every single person loves Michael. Right. It doesn't matter. He's the unifier they needed. And they were very much ready to start. If Even if they won't admit, I think culturally, we were ready for a star that could unite everyone. Okay. And we see that capitalized in the 92 Dream Team documentary and yeah. in the games as well, where it doesn't matter where you're from. They want to see Michael. Yep. And I think that's kind of the critical point of the cultural side of this, That why this moment matters to me is, the league is going off of some very difficult things from drug overdose to fans not showing up mm-hmm. to now we do have these awesome stars, but it's so black and white, not just yeah. racially, but also identity, identity wise. Right. And now we have the star that can pull it all together 
and stir the drink in a way that we can have these different personalities and then being accepted by everyone. He really became this kind of strange bridge that people could just kind of fall in love sure. with regardless of what your fandom was. He, to me, is also the first fan or the first player that if I grew up a Suns fan, I still like Michael. Right, right. Which yep. really hadn't happened before. No, no. It's It was rare to like anybody except the guys on your team. Yeah. Your own team, right? So yeah. a lot of things are going on around this time. Another reason this game is so interesting to me, yeah. because of the social connotation of the league was changing, and it was changing for the better, and it was coming out of a dark era. And you know what? Out of all those things that I said, the 80s is still Magic and Bird. It's still hmm. their time. And Michael doesn't take over till the 90s. Till the 90s, right. And that's amazing to me. Yeah. But at the same time, he was somebody everyone wanted to root for. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think I think it was a good uh, time for another yeah. star. And, and, you're like, and you're right. Everyone loved Michael Jordan. Like, that was the ticket to get in town. I don't care what team you like, what you didn't <laughs> like. If it was Michael Jordan, you wanted to see him play. So, Yeah, and I, I do want to just... I guess I kind of want to breeze over that or maybe go back to, we kind of mentioned at the beginning, but this is also a moment where we realize Michael can be a leading guard that can win a title. Right. And it really hasn't happened since the Knicks won a title back with Earl the Pearl Monroe and Walt Frazier. But at the same time, they had Willis Reed. They had these Bill Bradley. They had all these great players. We had never seen a guard play this way and dominate and Larry Bird says it best you know when he's doing the step over he's doing between the legs Matt or Jordan is yeah against Bird and Bird is just almost like paused yeah because he's doing it at such a quick rate <laughs> slides to the left he jumps up just below the iron cross nails about a 15 foot jumper and the the thing Bird says after the game is that wasn't Michael Jordan that was God disguised as Michael Jordan <laughs> which might be the best line yeah of Michael Jordan's career from another player, sure. right? We hear the spectacular move and yeah. greatest of all time, but to have Larry Bird say that about to have you. Larry Bird say that. Oh yeah. My yeah. And to have those two be put against each other for the next eight years, yeah. or excuse me, the next four years before all of a sudden, you know, Michael's off. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. And if you don't mind me saying so, I, I think I'll switch gears and also talk about Larry in this. Cause I feel yeah. like we're really talking about magic or I keep saying magic. Cause I always think bird <laughs> and magic, but we're talking a lot about Michael here, mm -hmm. but this is also a big moment for the Celtics as well, where they make their case as the greatest team of all time. And I think we're kind of forgetting to talk about this part mm -hmm. too, that they have a remarkable season. Yes. They roll into the finals. They're incredible. And they have an MVP level player in Larry. And then Kevin's undeniably great. You have Robert Parrish. You have almost six Hall of Famers on this team. I, actually, you do. You have six Hall of Famers on wow. this team. And then if Rick Carlisle gets in as a coach, you got a seventh. Yeah. It's just insane what this team had. Um, and the rivalries and how deep it was. Casey Jones was the coach of this team. I completely forgot, I forgot about that. About that yeah. But yeah, he's incredible. He's in the Hall of Fame twice as a player and a coach. Wow. So they make a run as the greatest team of all time. It's it's them in Showtime. And I'll say, you know what? The 2016 Warriors are in there too. Okay. We'll talk about them later. Sure. But this team alone deserves a moment because they really do catch the whole country by storm. I mean, they were counting their wins. 
as they marched towards the playoffs. Right. They were incredible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Knicks won in 85. Is that right? Uh, that's a good question. I thought it was 80. Maybe it was 85. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, championships. I know it was early 70s. 70 and 73. Who won in 85? Oh, in 85. Oh, I thought you were talking about the old ones. Oh. So in 85, it's, I believe it's, I think it's the Celtics because Magic and Kareem win in 80. Oh. And then I believe Bird goes and wins it in 82. And then 83, it's the Lakers. And I think it's 80. Oh, we'll have to pull up a list because I'm going to botch it. 84 was um, the 76ers because okay. Moses Malone and Dr. J and aging Dr. J win the title. And it's a moment definitely okay. in history. So let's see. I'm going to look back. So it's the Lakers in 80. And then it's Boston in 81 because Larry wins Rookie oh, of the Year right. in 80. Yeah. Yeah. Magic gets all upset, but then he goes on to win. Bird goes on to win uh, a championship, so they're tied one-to-one. Los Angeles beats uh, Philly in 82, which the 76ers are about to be coming online here in a bit. The same matchup comes up in 83, 76ers win, coached by Billy Cunningham, but this is the Moses year. This is when Moses is like, oh my God. What? How? How have we forgotten about this guy? Boston wins it in '84. Lakers win it in '85. '85. Okay. And then Boston again beats the or Boston again so wins in '86, and they beat Hakeem yeah. in the finals. Right. And this is a weird year for the Rockets. And there's discussion about maybe moving off Hakeem or, or, or just they don't really know what to do. And then the Showtime Lakers make their run. They win two in a row in '87 and '88 defeating the bad boy Pistons in the last year in 88. And then the Pistons win in 89 and 90 uh, and storm off the court in 91. Right. So this really is, I mean, 86 Celtics, you could group that in with the 85 bears yeah, and the 2002 Patriots or whatever. Those yeah. Are. I mean, there's some teams that it's like, you just have to say it and it's like, Oh yeah. The greatest yeah. team of all time. And, yeah. And it's funny that the Celtics, I mean, they, um, they assembled this team. Um, but they didn't stick around long. No. I mean, they kind of dispersed. In a, not, I'm, not the main guys. I'm but. so glad you brought this up because the other piece of this is Larry starts to go downhill not long after this mm-hmm. because he's shoveling gra- gravel in his mom's driveway and he hurts his back. Oh. And he plays through it. Wow. And then Kevin plays through a foot injury in the playoffs and his foot goes bad. He's still dealing with it to this oh. day. Oh. And so this is truly like the pinnacle of both of their powers before it starts to go before the other way. Okay. So we see Michael arise to a pinnacle yeah. or start his rise as we see the highest level of basketball out of maybe three Hall of Famers. Yeah. And of um, course, that's the last of the, the last championship was Mikhail Bird and Parrish was the 86 team. Which is such a shame. Yeah. It really is. And thank God in 87 we had Celtics Lakers. And, but it yeah, was I tough. Mean, it was a tough one. It was a tough one to watch, but you know what? Um, hats off to the Celtics for getting there. Yeah, to yeah. Getting oh, to yeah. the championship in the next year. So. And they that's the year that uh, Bird steals the ball happens. Oh, okay. And that is kind of the origin story for the Bad Boy Pistons, where they really start getting vamped, and they start looking at, it's just the Celtics we got to beat. Everybody else, we could care less. we got to <laughs> right. beat the Celtics. Yeah. But I, I just love this team so much, the yeah. 86 team. And I could talk a lot of history about them, but yeah. I don't want to be a ranter. But that <laughs> being said, yeah, it is an incredible team. And then 
Also, weird fun fact, Rick Carlisle was drafted in the third round back wow. when drafts used to go 12 deep. 12 deep, yeah. So, Fine. odd, odd year. And then Larry Bird has the captain sticker, which I yeah. forgot was a thing back then. It was, yeah. But, yeah, this is an awesome game. If you haven't seen it, you should. This is a vintage Michael Jordan game, and this is the game that when my grandpa, who was a basketball fan and was a season ticket holder for Detroit Pistons games, talks about Michael, this is how he remembers him. Okay. And I remember the championships, but I think a lot of folks that love NBA history, yes, they love the championships. They're incredible. But this is one of the moments of Michael's career. It's this one. It's the shot over Elo. Yep. It's the 98 shot, the final one, where he wins a championship over the over the Jazz. And I think those might be some of the best moments of all time. It's yeah. those three. And this is one of the only ones where he's not winning a title. Yeah. And Elo, he, he beats a tough Cavs team to continue in advance. But this is like the original. This is the moment for Michael. And this is the moment for Bird, and they just so happen to collapse, right? Or hit each other yeah. in the head in 86 during game and two. And I love asking this final question. Yeah. Um, but do you think Michael losing this series was maybe the best thing to happen to him? Because it really showed him how, how good he had to become? Maybe. I, I think the fire might have been there. Okay. Because when there's a story of him. When he just got drafted and he's a rookie and he's walking around the hotel trying to find all the players to hang out because, you know, they're on the road. Yeah. He knocks on the door because he hears noises on the other side. Yeah. And everyone goes, shh, quiet down. Yeah. And one of the guys comes to the door, recognizes it's Mike. You know, he goes, I'm, MJ's here. They open up the door and it's just a bunch of guys with drugs not, and women and all this here. stuff. And so what ends up happening is I think after Michael sees that he realizes I just got to be better. Like if I want to be here, I got to be better. And then I do think he wanted to be as good as bird and magic and all these guys. And that competitiveness was already there. I just think this is the moment where maybe it's not the moment for Michael, but it's the moment for the NBA where they have to realize, Oh, we should be putting this Michael guy on a little bit more and we should be him. Exactly. He becomes kind of the face. Yeah. He's the flashpoint. He's the one you want in the dunk contest. (laughs) And so from here is like the birth of Michael Jordan, the marketing piece. Um, The shoes are there. Everything is there. And he's this young, again, very handsome, well-spoken guy. Mm -hmm. And in a time in a league where, you had some pretty gruff people like running around. Yeah. Hey, Charles Oakley's one of your best players. <laughs> you get an interview out of Charles, although he's a great storyteller. Yeah. Um, but I do think this is a this is a moment for the NBA, and just like the miracle, it's a moment that I think we forget about quite a bit. Yeah. But that being said, we do have Michael Jordan wins the moment, even though he loses the game. Which is so rare. We talked about this yeah. with Herb Brooks. Does he run with the torch? Right. Michael certainly runs with this. Yeah. And then Bird runs for Michael with yeah. the line afterward. Bird goes on to win the title, and yet we barely have talked about Bird in this podcast. Wow. So I think yeah. this is one of the weirdest moments we'll talk about. But I also think it's a moment that in my fandom of sports, my generation looks at this game very differently than I think folks that lived through it did. Right. And because of that, it's an incredible moment in my mind because Uh, you can't talk about Michael without this game. Absolutely.
Well, thanks for giving the commentary on that. That's yeah. Sorry to rant to you, no, but I great. love this it's, stuff. Uh, it's yeah, it's eighty-six Celtics. I'm always up for going back oh. and watching that, and, and of course, Michael's emergent into you know basically yeah. stardom. <laughs> I really... I still have this game. Nice. I have it from love it. years and years Do and years ago. I still have it. <laughs> I think I downloaded it to a, a flash drive, and I've kept it ever since. Keep it. It's and uh, it will be in my library forever. For I love sure. this game. I've probably seen it twelve times. That's great. And I'll have many more to come. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I loved the Miracle on Ice, and now I get to talk about another moment in the 80s. Talk about a, a stacked decade. There you go. Oh, but yeah, big time. It's awesome. Well, any parting thoughts before we head out? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that'sadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another dumb game.